John. And we're going to be uh, turning in our uh, scripture uh, this morning to the uh, Gospel of Mark. I know that's not a surprise to you uh, because we've been in Mark for some time. But do turn there with me if you're able. Uh, Mark chapter 5. We're going to be reading uh, verses 21 uh, through uh, 43. You remember last Lord's Day, uh, last opportunity we were in here in Mark, we read this uh, passage. Uh, we were introduced to uh, Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, and in the midst of reading about Jairus, the ruler uh, of the synagogue, another uh, person in, in great need, uh, came uh, to Jesus, and that's what we looked at particularly last time, and so we turn uh, to uh, Jairus uh, and, his, and his need. So let's give attention now to, to God's word, Mark chapter 4, uh, beginning at verse uh, 21. This is the ever-living and abiding word of God. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea, And then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent... All that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And she'd heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who'd done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him, except Peter and James and John, the brother James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly, and when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and he went in where the child was, and taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talithi kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up, began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is 
the word of the Lord. Let's pray for his help. Lord, we're thankful again today. What a, a wonderful opportunity we have. Again, Lord, you've given us uh, life and breath and everything else. You've given us another day to know you better, uh, to love you more, and to prepare for eternity. And so, Lord, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, uh, you would graciously uh, work in us, even today, what only you can work in us through your word and spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we are working our way through the Gospel of Mark, we are finding that uh, the Lord Jesus certainly has uh, come into a world that is uh, broken in many, many ways. Uh, A broken world filled with broken people in need. Broken bodies, uh, broken relationships, uh, broken families. And uh, wherever Jesus has gone here in the Gospel of Mark, the crowds gather around him. And in Mark 5, as we saw last time, uh, a woman reaches out to Jesus in faith and is made well. But meanwhile, a father has a daughter who is dying. And he is looking for hope in the face of death. In a recent uh, article uh, in Discover magazine, the article uh, author wrote this. It said that one of the things that makes us human is our awareness of our own mortality. And for nearly as long as we've known that we'll one day die, we've wondered about the possibility of, of waking back up. In recent years, that possibility, he writes, has hinged on the idea of cryonic preservation. That is, freezing a body and then reanimating it in the future. Uh, This author writes, if it worked for Han Solo and Captain America, why can't it work for us? Dennis Kowalski, president of the Cryonics Institute, says cryonic preservation and reanimation is uh, 100% not possible today. But, he says, we're not at the zenith of all our knowledge right now. And we certainly have more to learn and to discover in the future based on that premise that someday science will find solutions to biological damage that's irreparable by today's standards. The aim of cryonics is to keep bodies in a stable, preserved state until the necessary medical technology arrives. Even to its staunchest adherence, cryonics isn't a guarantee. Kowalski describes it as, quote, an ambulance ride to a future hospital that may or may not exist. We're definitely going to die, he writes. So if there's even an outside chance of prolonging life through cryonics, there's nothing to lose and potentially a second lifetime to gain. Hope for life beyond Death at the at the uh, uh, wedding on uh, Friday. Rich and Hannah's uh, text was the, uh, one of the verses from Ecclesiastes three about how God has set eternity into the hearts of men. But we want to think this morning about uh, you know God has set eternity in the hearts of men. But where is that eternal life to be found in a far off uh, hospital that may or may not exist, as the folks of cryonics would say, or somewhere else? Well, of course, you know the answer to that. The Bible says it's found in a person. It said one, all the world is a hospital, 
and every person in it a terminal patient. J.C. Ryle said this, All the care in the world will not make us continue a minute beyond the time that God has appointed. Said Martin Luther, Every man must do two things alone. He must do his own believing, and he must do his own dying. We've seen that Jesus, in the Gospel of Mark, is the sovereign of the sea. He is sovereign over all creation. Even the wind and the waves obey him. We've seen that he is sovereign uh, over the demons, sovereign over the evil spirits, sovereign over the the realm of the wicked. Um, And we've seen that he's sovereign over sickness. And uh, this morning, uh, we want to see uh, that the Lord uh, Jesus is sovereign over death itself. This morning we want to think about, first of all, in the life of Jairus, when hope disappoints. When hope disappoints. You'll remember Jairus, verse 22, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, again that's the word begging, begging of Jesus, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well uh, and live. So Jairus had come to Jesus and I was begging Jesus earnestly to come along. And then we read that Jesus uh, went with him. And uh, no doubt Jairus at that point, and the crowd starts to follow too. And and no doubt at that point, Jairus is filled with thanksgiving. And he's saying, praise the Lord. Jesus has come. He's not left me alone. Uh, He's going to come. And uh, and he's going to make all things well. But then, verse 25 says, there was a woman who was also in great need. And, uh, And Jesus is distracted. And from Jairus' perspective, Jesus stops, uh, he dialogues with the crowd, he speaks to the crowd, he speaks to this woman, and it's all taking precious, precious time. And Jairus, think Jairus, right? He had begged Jesus to come, Jesus was coming, now Jesus stops. <laughs> and Jairus must have been worried, he must have been watching his, his clock, or his watch, uh, thinking, we must go. Let's go. There's no time for this, Jesus. Come on, hurry, hurry. Um, you know, my daughter. And uh, sure enough, verse 35. While he was still speaking, while he was yet speaking, Jesus was going on speaking to the woman who had faith. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble or why bother the teacher uh, any further? The Bible says, even as Jesus is pronouncing healing, remember verse 34, he's pronouncing healing for this woman. While he was still speaking, news comes. And it's not good. It's not good. Your daughter is, is, is dead. And there's no point in troubling Jesus uh, anymore. It's, uh, it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. I remember when... Uh, we lived in New Zealand many years ago, and I remember getting a call on a Sunday night that my 81-year-old mother had gone into the hospital uh, that weekend, and, uh, and things were not looking good, and we did not expect her to live very long on a Sunday night. We were in New Zealand, so I talked to my mother on the phone. I said, Mom, I'll get a, get a flight as soon as I can, and leaving New Zealand uh, to get back to Canada. I couldn't leave till maybe Tuesday or something like that, and I said, but I'll, I'll try to get there, Mom. I'll try to get there. 
And so then we, uh, you know, I get on that plane on Tuesday, and as you might know, it's a 13-hour flight from New Zealand to California. It's another five, six hours to Canada. So I was basically 18, 19 hours up in the plane, unable to have any communication with anybody. Thinking, when I get there, will she still be alive? And uh, so I landed at Toronto International Airport. As soon as I saw my sister and brother-in-law, I knew uh, it was too late. And uh, she had already already died. These folks that come to Jairus say, uh, it's too late. And there's no point in troubling Jesus. There's nothing he can do. I mean, Jairus must have been at this point just crushed. And his heart is is breaking. Too late. Have you ever, um, I wonder, have you ever wondered why the Lord did not come in time in your life. That happens in the Bible. So Martha and Mary in John 11, both of them, when uh, Jesus comes, their brother Lazarus has died, both of them, when they first see Jesus, say, Jesus, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. But you're too late. You're too late. Uh, What now? Uh, the friends of Jairus tell him, what now is the use of going further? Uh, perhaps Jairus would have thought to himself, yeah, it's, it's all over, it's time to give up. But if you were Jairus, you were maybe thinking this to yourself. What happened? I mean, here I was in great need. I begged Jesus to come. I earnestly pleaded with him to come. And then he stops. I thought, Jesus, you were coming. I thought you were with me. Why come along and get my hopes up only to disappoint in the end? Sometimes we wonder, don't we, why the Lord does not seem to act according to our plan and according to our timetables. I want to be married. Lord, why do you delay? We want to have children, Lord. Why not open the womb? Lord, I want to be healed. Why do you not heal? Lord, you have said you love me and care for me. And why have I not seen the answer to my prayer? When hope disappoints. And then we want to consider when Jesus speaks. While he was still speaking, verse 35, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But, verse 36, overhearing uh, what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, uh, only believe. If you have a note in your Bible there by the word overhearing, you might note that that word could be translated just hearing, or it could be translated ignoring. Um, So it could be translated by ignoring what they said, or that is not taking into account what they said. But in other words, knowing what they said, Uh, Jesus had something else to say to Jairus. Namely, uh, do not fear, only believe. So even as Jairus is processing what these folks from the house were saying, Jesus speaks. And again, Mark says, uh, uh, right away. Just Just as they're saying. Jesus hears it, and right away he comes with his word. To Jairus. It's not the voice of others we need, ultimately. Uh, we need the voice of Jesus. We need a word from God. 
try to imagine a world, for instance, in which uh, there is no Bible. Try to imagine yourself living in a world where there is no Bible and, um, and you've never heard any of the words of Jesus at all. And there are such places in our world. Not here, though. But try to imagine that you didn't have a word from God at all. But you do. And uh, so does Jairus, even as he's hearing all these other voices telling him it's too late. So Jairus heard the words, we're told, of folks who came from his house. I wonder who it was. Could have been his family. Could have been his friends. Could have been his neighbors. And the fact is that if he heeds their words at this point, before Jesus speaks, or even as Jesus speaks, if he heeds their words, he leaves Jesus at this point. Right? It's too late. Why bother Jesus anymore? If he heeds the words of those folks who come from the house, he leaves Jesus at this point. They were positively discouraging Jairus from continuing to look to Jesus. Why bother him? Why trouble him? I mean, look at the reality. She's dead. Therefore, Jesus can't help. Don't waste your time. But Jesus speaks uh, a different word. Directly contrary to what others are saying. They say, uh, she's dead. Jesus says, do not fear. They say, don't bother. Jesus says, only believe. Now, why would Jesus say that? You're Jairus. Your 12-year-old daughter has just died. Of course, Jairus would fear. Death fills us, right, with fear. In fact, uh, the Bible helps us here. It tells us what's going on in our own heart and minds when we think about death. Hebrews 2:14 says this, talking about the coming of Jesus. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, that's Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, flesh and blood, that through death, why did Jesus come? That through death... Uh, He might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and, this is why Jesus has come into this world, uh, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to life-long slavery. That's why people spend their life savings hoping that there is a hospital in the future. That can do what a hospital today can. Because we're bound in a lifelong fear of death. But the Bible says that's why Jesus came to destroy uh, that fear of death. But Jairus uh, knows death is the great enemy, and often we are filled with fear too, especially in the face of death, our death or the death of one we love. And those around us say, well, that's it. Uh, Death is the end. You have family members who say that. You have family members who believe that. You have family members who wonder why you go to church and believe something different, because for them, that's it. Death is the end. Jesus says to Jairus, Do not fear, 
Only believe. Someone put it this way. Jesus says to Jairus, uh, don't listen to the heralds of doom and the messengers of despair. The Bible says elsewhere, bad company ruins good morals. Iron sharpens iron, which is simply to say we need to encourage each other. Here, Jesus is saying, don't listen to those who are telling you not to bother with me. Instead, believe. Now, this is not Jesus saying to Jairus, um, do not fear, only believe. That is, just, just Jairus, as so folks in our country today would say, just as long as you believe in something. You know, don't fear, just believe. You know, it could be the tooth fairy or it could be, you know, the uh, planet being seeded by aliens rather than God creating man in the image of God and things like that. Just believe something. No, clearly Jesus is not saying that. How do we know that? Because everywhere else in the scripture, uh, whenever he commands to believe or instructs us to believe, uh, it's always a command to believe in him. Believe in me. So John 14, 1 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Uh, believe also uh, in me. John 16, 8 says this. And when he comes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe uh, in me. If you know your catechism, you know the definition of sin is any want of or conformity to the, the law of God. And the Bible also tells us here's another definition of sin, not believing Jesus. Not believing God. That's a sin against God. Why? Because it's God who's speaking. Believe in me, said Jesus. You remember Abraham, Genesis 15, uh, where God gave him this promise that seemed unbelievable. And the Bible says, Abram believed the Lord. And it was credited to him, imputed to him, reckoned to him as righteousness. He heard the word of the Lord and he, he believed the Lord. Think of the Roman centurion in Luke 7 who comes to Jesus and he's got someone sick and, and he says, Jesus, you don't need to come to my house. I know that you just need to say the word and it'll be true. He believed in Jesus. He had the power by a word to heal and to save. And then Jesus, remember, says, I haven't seen such faith. I haven't seen such belief anywhere. But that's what it is. Believe in Jesus and his word. Do not fear, Jairus, only believe. Believe in Jesus' love. I haven't abandoned you. Believe in my care for your little girl. Believe in my power to do something about it. Believe in my power to save. Fill your heart and uh, your mind with thoughts of my love and power and grace and believe. The woman who believed and came to Jesus and touched the hem of his garment, Jairus, had seen it. And he had just heard uh, those words of Jesus himself because he was, he was there. He heard Jesus say to this woman, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. But Jairus was there. And so Jairus had an example right there. Here's someone who puts their faith in Jesus and they go 
in peace. And now Jairus was being called to believe. Jesus is saying, this, Jairus, is the answer uh, for all your worries, for all your fears. Are you troubled, Jairus? Believe in me. It's the same word, of course, that comes across the centuries. Do not fear, only believe. Are you fearful of the future, of the nation, uh, fearful of the uh, church in America? Do not fear, only believe in, in Jesus. Fearful for your children or your own safety, especially with all that's going on in the world? Believe in Jesus, believe in his care. And in his love. Maybe you're fearful of your future. Fearful of where your money will come from. Fearful not finding a wife or husband. Fearful of where the Lord may be leading you. Fearfully of what your uh, senior years might look like. Believe in him. And do not fear. Someone put it wonderfully this way. What's Jesus calling Jairus to do? Jairus, believe in my, in my presence. Believe in my promises. Believe in my pity. And believe in my power. I am here with you. I have promised I'm coming. Uh, believe I am merciful. And believe that I have the power to do something about it. So what Jesus calls Jairus to in this moment. Don't heed the voices around you which would lead you to despair. Hear the words of Jesus. What is needed not uh, not now is not, not fear, but faith, especially uh, in the face of death. Well, uh, when hope disappoints, when Jesus speaks, and of course this passage tells us about when his voice, when his voice is heard. Verse 37. And he allowed, that's Jesus, no one to follow him, except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. Jesus saw a commotion. Uh, someone old translated, a hubbub. Uh, it was all, uh, it was all a, a crazy scene. People weeping and wailing loudly, often in that time. People would be especially asked to weep and wail at the death of someone, not because they were genuinely moved, but just to... That was part of the, uh, a part of the mourning process. And when he had entered, he said to them, verse 39, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in uh, where the child was. You notice here, again, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. There's other crucial moments, of course, in the life and ministry of Jesus where there's just these three. Peter, James, and John. Later it will be the Mount of Transfiguration. It will be Peter, James, and John who see Moses and Elijah and Jesus uh, transfigured before them. Uh, and it will be James and John and Peter also in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, before the crucifixion of, of Jesus. But there's a commotion around this house of Jairus weeping and wailing. And at this point the Bible tells us that their weeping turned to laughing when Jesus spoke, verse 39, when he'd entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead, but sleeping. 
And they laughed at him. It could be, could be translated, and they laughed, or they laughing in his face. So, truly laughing at him, towards him. <laughs> Who are you? Not dead, says Jesus, but, but sleeping. Now, you'll remember there's another place in the Bible uh, where Jesus said something very similar. We find it in the Gospel of John, and of course that passage I mentioned earlier with Martha, Mary, and the death of Lazarus. But it's very important. John 11, 11 says this. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to waken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. So maybe Jesus is just saying, well, he's actually not dead. He's just sleeping, and I'm just going to nudge him awake. Verse 13. Now Jesus had spoken of his death. But they thought he meant talking. Uh, they, they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, "Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I'm not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him." So in that passage, uh, clearly Jesus is saying he's speaking about the death of Lazarus as as asleep. But no, he is really dead. He refers to it as sleeping simply because he knows that he is going. To awake him. That is, this death will not, will not last. But Jesus speaks of his death as falling asleep because he knows that he is going to awaken him. There's a wonderful Bible truth. Uh, for the uh, believer, death is but a sleep. Until we are awakened by Jesus. The Bible teaches that when we die, our spirit, Paul says in Philippians 2, to be uh, at home in the body is to be away from the Lord, but to be away from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so when we die as believers, our, our spirit goes immediately into the presence of the Lord. And in our shorter catechism, we talk about, well, what, what about our body? What about our, our body rests or sleeps in the grave? Until uh, the resurrection, when our body and spirit uh, are reunited forever. That is the great Christian hope, that our bodies will be raised. Our spirit goes to be with the Lord. But as Isaac Watts put it, uh, I lie down in comfort at night, not being anxious whether I awake in this world or another. For the believer, uh, we know that when that time of death comes, we awake and we are with, we are with the Lord. So the daughter of, of Jairus, uh, Jesus is uh, saying here, is, is sleeping, but Jesus had come uh, to awaken her. And so he takes the parents and Peter and, and James and John uh, into the place where she lay. And the Bible says this, taking her by the hand. He said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. Now remember, a little girl, uh, Jairus had come to Jesus saying, my little daughter uh, is dying, is at the point of death. And so when Jesus speaks to her, he says, little, little girl. Some have pointed out that, uh, uh, that this would be something that... Um, 
you know, this 12-year-old daughter, her, her mother would probably say to her in the morning when she woke her up, little girl, arise. Taking her by the hand, even as the woman had reached out and touched Jesus earlier in this passage, Jesus takes her by the hand. I say to you, arise. And at this point, you're wondering, what are the disciples uh, and the parents uh, thinking, don't touch her, she's dead. <laughs> you know, what are you doing? Why are you? Don't, don't, don't touch her. Uh, she's already, uh, she's already dead. But they don't really have time to respond, according to the Gospel of Mark, because immediately when Jesus says this to her, the verse says in verse forty-two, and immediately the girl got up and began walking. So she wasn't an infant, for she was twelve years of age, and they were immediately. Overcome with amazement, or they were astonished with great astonishment. They were amazed with great amazement. Because she had heard uh, the voice of Jesus. Luke says, in his account, the Spirit returned at that moment. And the little girl, who was dead, heard the voice of of Jesus. And he said, but she was dead. Yes. Just like Lazarus would be dead and would be in the, in the tomb for days and stinking. And yet, he heard the voice of Jesus call him out. What is the point here? <laughs> Friends, the Bible says that his voice, the voice of Jesus, Wakes the dead. Physically dead? Oh yeah. And spiritually dead. We should really call this passage in the Bible, we should really call this the first great awakening. For Jesus to bring someone from death to life um, is no harder uh, then uh, for him to wake from someone from sleep. We just need to hear his voice. And the dead, of course, can only hear by the sovereign, gracious power of God. And so it has been, friends, since the beginning, throughout church history. Only the Lord can awaken the dead, whether physically or spiritually. Second Timothy 1.10 says, Jesus has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, through the good news. The king has come, proclaiming the kingdom. Repent and believe. John 6, 47, he who believes has everlasting life. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, will live, even though he dies. The believer never knows a time when they will die. Yes, their body will rest in the grave till the resurrection, but they themselves will never, Jesus says, never truly die. You already have. Eternal life in Jesus because he has the power 
to bring the dead to life. She hears the voice of Jesus. How can someone who is dead, the spirit has left, how can she hear? Well, only by the power of Almighty God in the person of Jesus. And she, she hears, and the Bible says she gets up, and she walks, and, uh, and Jesus makes sure uh, she has something to eat. the Bible put that in there? Why does the Holy Spirit want us to know that not only does Jesus have the power to raise this little girl to life, but is also concerned that she gets a good meal? Because the Lord wants us to know his great power and his great pity, his great compassion, his great power and his great mercy revealed in the person of Jesus, someone said his power cannot be fathomed, nor his compassion measured. Fear or faith? Friends, what will you and I do when Jesus speaks? Now, he has spoken. He's speaking in his word. Will you be like the crowd around the house? She's dead. And when you read the Bible, some of the things you read in the Bible, you just laugh and say, what is he talking about? That can't be. Or will you put your faith in him and all God's people of old and trust his word, his promises, his presence, his pity for you, said Jesus in John 6, as we uh, bring our time to a close. Jesus says this, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up. At the last day, said Jesus, this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. That is the word of Jesus. Do you believe Him? Do not fear, says Jesus, only believe. Said Jesus, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up. On the last day. John 5, 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, said Jesus, an hour is coming and is now here. An hour is coming. This is interesting. An hour is coming and is now here. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. In Mark 5, friends, Jesus is the hope of the hopeless. A man, remember? A man who could not be tamed. 
A woman who could not be cured. And a little girl who could no longer be helped. But they all heard the voice of Jesus. Matthew Henry said this, He whose head is in heaven need not fear to put his feet into the grave. Death is not extinguishing the light. It is putting out the lamp because uh, dawn has come. Said Charles Spurgeon, Jesus has transformed death from a dreary cavern into a passage leading to glory. And he also said, the best moment of a Christian's life is... His last one. Because it's the one that is nearest heaven. You know this hymn. I close with it. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down, O weary one, lay down your head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was. Weary, worn, and sad, I found in him a resting place. He's made me glad. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water, thirsty one. Stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus, and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched. My soul revived, and now I live in him. I heard the voice of Jesus say, I am this dark world's light. Look unto me. Your morn shall rise, and all your day be bright. I looked to Jesus, and I found in him my star, my sun, and in that light of life, I'll walk till traveling days are done. Do not fear, says Jesus. Only believe. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray that you would work your grace and mercy in all our lives. This morning, Lord, around the world today, as the gospel of the Lord Jesus goes out in all the nations of the world, in so many places, so many people hearing of Jesus, and yet, Lord, we know uh, that it's only by the work of your Holy Spirit that, that dead men and women and children can arise and walk and live. And so, Lord, we thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ by his word, has power to give life because he's the one who gave his life for sinners like us. That all who would look to him, all who would believe in him as their Savior, their Redeemer, their Lord, full of power, full of pity and compassion for us. That all those who look to him would live and never ever die. Help us, O Lord, today to not fear, but to believe in Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen.